Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, it's Burgundy and Gold today. You know, it's fitting that we get the Chase Young call to bring us back here. I'm Denton Day on the Team 980. I'm with you until 3.30 Eastern time here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. It's fitting we get the Chase Young call to bring us in here to start the show off because I come with good news. It's good news and it's bad news on the defense, but the good news is that Chase Young had a great day of practice. If you've been following along on the Chase Young saga, and it's felt like this thing has gone on forever to the point it almost felt like last week and the week before, There were some elements of trolling. Now, I want Chase Young to be perfectly healthy and perfectly comfortable when he returns. I thought it was going to be last week. And then it felt like Ron and the boys were were trolling us a little bit by making us wait another week. But that was then. This is now. If you've been following along, you know that Friday is a big day for Chase Young. He had a great day of practice on Wednesday. The team didn't practice on Thursday. They were good enough to get the day off, go celebrate Thanksgiving. Hopefully they had a great one. Hopefully you, the listener, had a great one as well. But Ron Rivera had said earlier in the week that Friday is a crucial day to know whether or not Chase Young is going to be good to go for Sunday. Because it wasn't even confirmed that he was good to go for Sunday. They activated him to get him out of that 21-day window to put him up to the active roster, but they didn't even know if he was going to play on Sunday on Wednesday because they wanted to see what his day was going to look like today on Friday. And Ron Rivera is speaking to the media now, or he just got done speaking with the media. And as far as Chase Young is concerned, according to Ron, he had a good day of practice. They liked what they saw from Chase Young, and he is officially questionable for Sunday, which is wonderful news. If you're somebody like me, I've been desperately waiting to see Chase Young take the football field this season, especially in recent weeks, because the defensive line has far and away been the best part of the team for at least the past four to five weeks. I mean, John Allen and Deron Payne in particular have been dominating fully grown men like All gas, no brakes. There is not a single team that has been able to stop those two dudes. Montez Sweat had his best game of the season against Houston, and I understand Houston is not a good football team. I also don't really care, though. That's who they had to play. They lined up. They played him. Montez Sweat had his best game of of the season, 
And now you're looking at the possibility of getting Chase Young, who out of the four, we have this fearsome foursome on our defensive line. Out of the four, the most talented player of that group is Chase Young. And he's questionable to play on Sunday. My guess, just kind of the hunch feeling, is that we are going to see the debut of Chase Young. All signs are pointing to that being the reality that we're going to get to see Chase Young play for the first time, albeit likely on a snap count, which is fine. In fact, not only is that fine, that's anticipated. I wasn't expecting Chase Young in his first game back for the Commanders to go out there and play 50 snaps. That's unlikely. So we might play 10 to 15, but we're going to get to see Chase Young on the field. And this is a, a fully healthy Chase Young on the field. It felt like a lot of the the season last year, knowing what we know now about his injury, he was playing with a bit of a knee injury before the actual major knee injury took place. But we get to see a fully healthy Chase Young on the field for the first time in well over a year, and I think Chase Young is going to make a I think he's going to make some plays if he gets out on the field on Sunday. I really do. I've been singing the praises of Chase Young for the entirety of this season, back in when this team was a little bit in the dumps, the one in four start that we got to remember that those were the days back when that was the case. And everybody was saying, Oh, they messed up by not drafting Justin Herbert. They messed up by not drafting to a tongue of Iloa. They should have drafted them instead of chase young. Maybe you still hold that theory. Maybe you still hold that thought. And that's fine if you do, but I'm just saying that chase young ain't no look, man, he he's not no, I'm trying to think of the, the correct word to say here. I didn't. What What is the FCC word? Slouch. There's what I'm going to say. Chase Young ain't no slouch. This is a real playmaker. And I know the team wasn't very good when they made the postseason in Chase Young's rookie year, but he was far and away the defensive rookie of the year for a reason because he's a damn good football player. So getting to see Chase Young now with this group of defensive line, even if it's only for 10 to 15 plays, that's something that has me excited. But unfortunately, with the good news, does come a little bit of the bad news. Cole Holcomb is going to be officially placed on IR. Ron Rivera said that the foot is not getting better. So they're going to seek a second opinion on the foot. So likely, we're not going to see Cole Holcomb for a number of weeks. In fact, if the foot hasn't gotten better, this has been like three or four weeks of him not being on the field If the foot hasn't gotten better, we might not see Cole Holcomb again at all this season, which is unfortunate news. Now, Jamin Davis has been playing out of this world in the absence of Cole Holcomb. I think we've seen the best of Jamin Davis in the past few weeks from a leadership standpoint, from a playmaking standpoint. I think he's checked all the boxes. And funnily enough, funny enough, all of the criticism that was directed at Jamin Davis at the beginning of the season when the team was 1-4, a lot of it I did feel to be over the top. It felt like every time Jack Del Rio got to the podium, his mission was to how can I undercut Jamin Davis? How can I say something that's not positive about Jamin Davis? It felt like that was his mission from the jump when the team was 1-4. Well, it worked. It's an unorthodox maybe of this new age era of football player. Some of these guys like to be pampered up a little bit. So it's an unorthodox approach, an old-school approach that Del Rio and Ron Rivera, because Ron jumped in on that too, that they took 
but it's worked because Jamin Davis is playing the best that he's played here in D.C. He's making plays. He's wearing the green dot. His teammates are trusting him. Everything they were asking him to do earlier in this season, he is now doing on a consistent basis. So I'm comfortable with Jamin Davis being the guy at the linebacker position. I like Cole Holcomb. I want to see Cole Holcomb on the field. But if he's not, Jamin, I've I've grown to become very, very comfortable with Jamin Davis. Now, we're awaiting the official, official injury report. The one that's published, the one that we can all go look at on social media and on uh, the World Wide Web. I'm awaiting the official one. But what I know from practice today is that Benjamin St. Juice did not practice. He got hurt at the end of the Texans game last week. And after the Texans game, he had told people he's going to be fine. He's going to be all right. But of course, fine and all right is relative. Fine and all right can be, yeah, I'm going to be good for next week. Fine and all right could be, it might take me a week, but I will eventually be back. And it's looking like it's the latter of those two options because he didn't practice today. He didn't practice on Wednesday. He didn't practice on Tuesday. If he hasn't practiced this entire week, I think it's fair to suggest that barring a miracle, and I'm a man of faith, I think miracles can happen, but barring a miracle, or uh, Benjamin St. Just is not going to play this weekend against Atlanta, and he's been the best cornerback from start to finish of the season for this team. Bar none, I mean, he kind of ousted William Jackson III. Now, William Jackson III helped himself uh, get out of town because he sucked, But while he was sucking, Benjamin St. Just was not sucking. He has been a, I don't know, I don't know if a lockdown corner is what I would call Benjamin St. Just yet, because I do think there are, I think you need to do it for more than a year to become a lockdown corner, but he's definitely a number one corner. He's 1000% a number one corner, which now means Washington is going to be without their number one corner for the matchup this weekend against Atlanta. Now, Atlanta's offense, in terms of passing the football, is not going to scare many people. You know, Mariota is a a mobile quarterback, and that's his bread and butter. He can extend plays. He can create plays with his legs. Nobody is really afraid of Atlanta throwing the football, though. I, they're the just about the only team in the NFL that does not have a single wide receiver that is averaging more than 40 yards per game. In the entire, like, think of all of the bad offenses that are in the NFL this season. Chicago, Justin Fields has no help in Chicago. They still got guys that are averaging more than 40 yards per game. All the, I I looked up, like, all of these teams. The Patriots, who I don't think they have a ton of help around Mac Jones. Their wide receiving core, not great. They have guys that are averaging more than 40 yards per game catching the football. Atlanta does not have a single person. Now, I think Drake London is good. Uh, I think he's a he's a good player, but he's only averaging 37.2 yards per game. They're not throwing the football. They're a run-first team, which does make me all the more excited that we're going to see Chase Young back, and it makes me all the more comfortable knowing that the, the best element of the team is the defensive line, who in particular, not only are they getting after the passer, they have become one of, if not the best run defenses in the NFL, the stats are always going to be slightly skewed just because they started the season poorly. So it is going to take a little bit to kind of, you know, measure those statistics up a little bit. But if you look at just what the team has been able to do in the past four or five games, the run defense has far and away been unstoppable. 
you cannot run against this football team. You cannot. So it is very much going to be a, a clash of the irresistible force and the immovable object because Atlanta is good at running the football. Mariota can make plays. They have a hoist of running backs. They take the Washington approach where they have a number of different running backs that can get after it and make some plays with their legs. So they're going to try and run the football all over Washington. But I'm confident in that Washington, with Chase Young likely back, with Jamin Davis playing the way that he has, I'm confident they're good right now. I'm happy right now to start this Friday show. I got my man Mike with me producing. I'm pumped to work with Mike as well. Mike, how was your Thanksgiving, man? Everything good? Yeah, Thanksgiving was awesome. Got to spend some time with family. Got to see some friends, you know, that came back from school. Or uh, I mean, we all graduated, but, you know, just moved out of the area. They came back. But it was awesome, man. How about you? How was your Thanksgiving? Well, hold on, hold on. So you got, some, you got some friends that came back to the area, right? Yep. So that means Wednesday was the real fun night. Yeah. Wednesday, yeah. yeah Thanksgiving. We, we know if you were in college, you know that Wednesday is the night where you get to to catch up with some of your old homeboys and really, and some homegirls, yeah. and uh, and relive some old times. Exactly, and this was only my uh, first year since I was 21, like getting to experience Thanksgiving Eve out at bars. Right. Incredible experience. It was absolutely awesome. It was a blast. Now waiting in line 20 minutes to get Ugh. in and oh. get a drink, that's not great, but no, you know, once you're great. out there though, it was it was buzzing. Were you in like the city city to, to experience some of this, or were you out in the, the you and I are from the same area. Yeah. We're out I was in, in One Loudon. You were in One Loud. oh, you were Bar Louie, weren't you? Yeah, it was Bar Louie, <laughs> yeah. Lost Fox, um, <laughs> What's the other one? Jefferson's. I, I don't know if it's called Jefferson's anymore, but yeah, it was it was a great time. It was a good time. See, I don't. None of my friends live here anymore. They all moved and they don't come back because all their families moved. So I'm I'm just sitting here alone, twirling my <laughs> thumbs on a Wednesday, thinking of the times that once were. I feel so old in saying that. I'm really not that old. Yeah. Hey, next year we should go to D.C. for Thanksgiving Eve. I mean, I just think it'd be awesome to go like experience like the actual city life. And, I would uh, be city boys for a night. C- city boys that has a bedtime at like ten o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've noticed now that I do the morning show with with Kevin, who I love working with, uh, the four a.m. wake up call sucks. Like it's not an easy thing. And my body, I was, I had Wednesday night was my you know enjoyable night. Didn't have to wake up on Thursday. It was like eight thirty, and I was like, man, like bed sounds really good right now. And I'm really, I'm only twenty seven, so I think I'm still in what's supposed to be the tail end of my city boy prime, we'll call it, but I just I hey, still got I'm a couple old. years left in the tank, man. I'm I gotta find the I gotta find that gear. I haven't found that gear yet. I gotta warm up or something like that if I can if I can partake in a nice Thanksgiving uh Eve celebration, as you say. Yeah. So what was like a standout, you know, like from your Wednesday, your Thanksgiving Eve, like what are something that like stands out or what made it great for you? I slept. <laughs> I did. I turned off all my. Well, see, the thing is, actually, I I forgot to turn off one of my alarms. Thankfully, I turned off the four a.m. alarm, so I was good there. But I have an alarm for the show that's normally at six, and that one came and bit me. That uh, it was six a.m. on Thursday, and it it hit, and I was like, oh god. Uh, thankfully, I'm not one of. The, are you a are you a running family on Thanksgiving? Absolutely not, and I'm yeah. very happy we're not. Yeah, thank God I'm not one of those. I used to be when I was in high school, so I just I just enjoyed the time off. That that's I, again. I sound so old in saying that. I didn't party. I mean, I might have like a little apple cider bourbon drink later on this evening that I've had my eye on, and now I don't have to. You know, I can indulge in that a little bit with some of the you know the harder liquors. But no, Wednesday was boring for me. It was very boring. So you get up at four every day, like when when you do Sheehan show. I do. So what's your um. Like morning routine, like you wake up, you shower, do you get breakfast, or do you just? No, I ain't no shower. No, 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 no. I, I wake up, I brush my teeth, and I'm here. 
If I smell at 4 a.m., I woke up at 4 a.m. Deal with it. <laughs> ain't, nobody, ain't nobody coming up to me. The thing is, everybody in here uh, woke up hella early when you get in here like 5, 6 a.m. Yeah. Everybody woke up early, so we're all in sweats. There's no, there's no three-piece suit. You know, my hair is not done. I wear a hat. I wear the headband. I wear a, maybe a beanie of some kind, but no, 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 no. There, there is no grooming. The grooming happens after the you show. You know you're up drastically early when the Metro isn't even open yet. The Metro is not open. They're still doing road work. Yeah, I mean that's I, I hit traffic because they cut three la- or they cut four lanes on sixty six to one. It's it's the absolute worst thing. Uh, we're gonna talk some Black Friday things because I have some advice that I might need from Mike. We'll do that coming up. Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports is gonna join us in about fifteen minutes to get much more of a national perspective on the NFL. The three games that took place yesterday, as well as the ones coming up this weekend. It was a great day for Washington, in spite of the fact they didn't play. It was a great day for them yesterday. I'll tell you why when we return. You listen to Denton Day on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're listening to Denton Day on the Team 980 at the Denton Day on Twitter. Jordan DeJani is going to join us in about 10 minutes here on the show. Yesterday was a huge day for Washington in spite of the fact that they didn't play. I had to have a couple of hard conversations with some family members at Thanksgiving when I told them, because everybody asks, they know the job that I do, they know I'm a sports guy, so everybody asks about football and as a uh, the, as we do, my family does it right, and we watch a lot of football on Thanksgiving. That's how that's supposed to be. A lot of family members ask me, who are you rooting for between Dallas and New York? And some of them are old school. They grew up uh, as huge Redskins fans, and they know the history and the rivalry between uh, the Redskins and the Cowboys. So they expect me to say the Giants, but I had to, I had to break some news to them and be like, no, 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 no. 
we're rooting for Dallas on Thursday. We need the Giants to lose. And I had to explain to him, and this is why it was such a good thing, the Giants are gonna, they're going to implode. If they have not already, they're going to implode. We have seen the best of them that came early in the season. They stunned a lot of people. If you're a gambler and you bet they're over, which I think was either four and a half or five and a half wins, I mean, congratulations, you're cashing in on that one. But we've seen the best of the Giants. They have a good coach in Brian Dable. They have a guy in Saquon Barkley that's a hell of a playmaker. And Daniel Jones exists. He's not a good quarterback. I don't think he's ever been a good quarterback. They're on the verge of imploding. And that helps us. Because not only are we now in a position where if the Commanders win against Atlanta, they then go play the Giants with an opportunity to move to 8-5. and five. The Commanders right now are 6-5. and five. The Giants are now at at 7 and 4. The Commanders have an opportunity to move to 8 and 5 with a win over the Giants. So even if the Giants win next week and I'm pulling up their schedule now just to see who the Giants have. Um oh they have us next week. Duh. What am I what am I talking about? They got us next week. So they're right now 7 and 4. If we beat them and go to 8 and 5 and then push them to 7 and 5, we have the lead over the Giants. And we get the opportunity to play them again. And oh, by the way, they play Philly two more times this season. They haven't played the Eagles once yet. So the Giants are the easier of the two teams that we jump over. So it was a great, great game in the middle of the day on Thursday with Dallas beating them. That Dallas defense is as legit as they come. Michael Parsons is a game wrecker. They got a couple other guys on that defense uh, that also are Really, really great players. I had thought earlier in the season they just happened to have a bunch of good players uh, and they were a bunch of good players, but maybe not so much a good defense. Uh, I think I can comfortably say that not only does Dallas have a bunch of good players, they are, in fact, a good defense. They helped the commanders out a ton. Ironically, the Lions losing did help the commanders out a little bit. Now, some chaos would have had to happen for that to even mean much. But the Lions offense is a very different offense when Amon Ross St. Brown is heavily involved. When he's not involved, they don't move the football. When he is involved, he's a guy that opens up that offense. And we saw that against Buffalo yesterday. So them losing helped the, the, the potential of a tiebreaker in which Detroit beat Washington earlier in the season, very much in a time where Washington was trying to figure out who the hell they are. Uh, now they have a bet, much better idea of who they are, what their identity is as a team. But watching the Cowboys win always feels gross. Watching Cowboys fans experience joy always feels gross. But I do feel like the ends justify the means in that because it puts Washington in a better position to go into New York next week, which is, by the way, in December, which is absolutely nuts that we're already in the in December but to go into New York next week and beat the Giants to potentially move to 8-5. and five. I like watching Daniel Jones play because Daniel Jones suffers from what I call Josh Allen syndrome. Uh, I realize I haven't said that on these airways before, but a couple years ago I was doing a national show and I coined the term Josh Allen syndrome. And what it is, I do think is ironic that Brian Dable is also the head coach of the Giants, so it kind of it fits hand in glove there. But Josh Allen has no damn business being as good as he is. The leap that he took in year, what was it, three to four, two to three, whatever it was, where he went from sporadic quarterback that you saw potential in, but man, he was chaotic. He was he was spastic at times. 
to then becoming an MVP candidate, I said right then, look, this is going to cost some teams money. Because guys don't generally make that jump as smoothly and as quickly as Josh Allen did. But we have this weird thing in the NFL where if you see it happen with one person, you are now of the belief that it's a normal thing that happens. So there's going to be somebody in the NFL that's going to think their quarterback, who is not that good, is going to make some kind of jump that Josh Allen made. And I hope it's the New York Giants. I mean, sign Daniel Jones to a 12-year contract now. Our lives are going to be so much easier. Our lives are going to be so much better because Daniel Jones is not it. He's just not. He's average at best. He's average at best, and they're going to try and make him good. They're not going to succeed. They have a tough decision. they got to decide, like, do we want to keep him long-term at the end of this season, or do we want to go full rebuild mode? If they go full rebuild mode, they lose Saquon Barkley as well, which that's another playmaker off of the roster there. That helps Washington. Defensively, I think the Giants actually aren't terrible. They have a lot of really young guys that I think are really good players. I I love Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I think he is a really good young player. But they're now faced with this weird, tough decision of where do we do? They're too good to get a good quarterback in this draft, but they're not good enough to make the postseason because, again, the Giants are going to start to implode here if that hasn't already happened. I think we're seeing the beginning stages of the Giants' implosion, and we as the commanders who started off at 1-4 and are now just sitting here licking our lips because we're going to jump all over it. So yesterday, Thursday, not only was it a good day because I stuffed my face with food, but I am... I mean, we are very much alive and well in the postseason race. we got to handle business. I'm not looking past Atlanta. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that matchup as the show continues here. But, man, we're in a good spot. We're in a really good spot to turn this one and four to something to celebrate at the end of the year by potentially getting into the postseason with nine, ten, or hell, I mean, even potentially 11 wins. 11's a reach, I know, but it's mathematically it is very much a possibility. All right, coming up next, we'll get more of a national perspective. Where does a guy that is not from this market, how does he view the commander? Jordan DeJani, CBS Sports, joins us next. You're listening to Denton Day on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Biggie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This goes out to you. You're locked in on the Team 980. I'm Denton Day at the Denton Day on the Twitter machine. We'll head out to the phone lines now. Welcome on a good buddy of mine, uh, Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports, who's good enough to join us here. Jordan, what's happening, my man? How are you? Denton, my man, what is going on? Thank you for having me on the airwaves this afternoon. There's a lot of sports on the TV. I'm talking sports with one of my best buds. Absolutely <laughs> love it, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. How much food did you take in yesterday? How many plates did we put down? Yeah, a pretty gross amount usually. I, I mean, seriously, it was definitely the most I've ever eaten in probably the past two years. I even took home some leftovers, so it was glorious. I, I weighed myself this morning and I gained five pounds just All in that right. last dinner. So we got some. We got our work cut out for ourselves when we uh, go to the gym later this afternoon, but it was worth it. Oh, uh, worth it, I'm sure. Uh, the games yesterday I thought were phenomenal, and usually it feels like the Sunday night one kind of you know, under delivers a little bit, but even that one, I thought, I, I thought was great. What was your biggest takeaway from the, those three games we saw yesterday? No, oh, man, there's a lot of takeaways. I mean, first of all, I think the best game was Patriots Vikings. That, that game had no business turning into the shootout that it did, but it was a lot of fun to watch. I thought both quarterbacks played fantastic, but when it comes to my biggest takeaway, uh, other than me losing money on a ridiculous cover by the New York giants <laughs> against the Dallas Cowboys, 
I was I, I was pretty rattled, if you will, by the play of Josh Allen at quarterback. I mean, his his accuracy on some of those short throws was just very off. He didn't look like the same guy. And we've been saying this for for the past couple of weeks now, due to him playing through that UCL elbow injury. It's not an injury that's going to force him to miss time, but it clearly is something that affects the touch he puts on the ball. And he's not going to be as effective as 100% healthy Josh Allen. He's still better than Case Keenan. There's no doubt about that. But to me, this is something that severely hinders the ceiling of the Buffalo Bills this season. That's what I'm starting to look at. I don't think that they should be the odds-on favorite to hoist the Lombardi Trophy when it's all said and done because they barely squeaked by the Lions in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Where is that ceiling for them now? Because I feel like if I were to ask you that question pre-injury, like the Bills are the top of the the top in the AFC, but now that we've seen this kind of consistently hinder their offense a little bit, where do you feel like they stack up specifically in the AFC? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, yeah, if you ask me before the injury, obviously I'm saying they're, it's warranted that they are the Super Bowl favorites. But now, you know, I don't know if they're going to win the division. I think the Miami Dolphins are one of the most intriguing teams this season under first-year head coach Mike McDaniel, who I'm absolutely in love with, by the way. Look at what he's doing with Tua Tungabailoa and also scheming for the run game as well. The Dolphins may be the team that wins this division when it's all said and done. But that being said, to answer your question, the Bills are still going to be in that contender category because they are talented and stacked on both sides of the ball. They have the depth and the wherewithal to be a team that goes all the way, but at the same time, not having a 100% healthy Josh Allen is something that's obviously going to hurt that. And Before the injury, I would say that they're the best team in the AFC. Now I think I have to say that they're the second best team in the AFC behind the Kansas City Chiefs. How wide of a margin do you think that? Because I'm with you. I think Kansas City is the best team. I think Mahomes right now is the front runner for the MVP. But how wide of a margin do you think is between KC and Buffalo? That's a good question because I don't think it's it's a terribly wide margin. I, you know, I think the Bills, like I said, are still one of those elite contenders. And you know, maybe Josh Allen can find a way to play with this kind of injury. Not not just playing through the pain, but also kind of relearn exactly how to put touch on throws and, and be more consistent just with his accuracy. I think that's very possible as well. So I don't think that there's this grand canyon between the potential of these two teams. I still view them as the top two in the AFC. Jordan DeJani with me here on the Team 980. He covers the NFL for CBS Sports, at Jordan DeJani on Twitter. Uh, after the, the, I know the Giants cost you a little bit of money yesterday with that backdoor cover, but I said a couple minutes ago, I feel like we were watching the implosion of the New York Giants. Do you think we're there yet, or do you think they can salvage what has been a pretty rough past few weeks and still make the postseason? Yeah, that's a really good question, because I always looked at this team and said, you know what, that record is 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 faulty. It's not accurate. It's not exactly what a good representation of what this team is capable of. I will say that I think Daniel Jones has taken some steps forward in his progression as what is a potential franchise signal caller. I think that the defense is playing with some energy under the guidance of Wink Martindale. At the same time, I wouldn't consider them one of the most elite units in the NFL. You know, we're looking at the schedule coming down the stretch against the Commanders, against the Eagles, the Commanders again, the Minnesota Vikings, the Jeff Saturday-led Colts, and then, of course, the Eagles to finish out the year. Yeah, I think we are witnessing a bit of an implosion, but due to their hot start, they are going to be in the playoff mix until it's all said and done. But obviously, I don't think that I'm going to have the Giants making the playoffs in my predictions. Is there a better defense right now than the Dallas Cowboys? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good question because I love this Cowboys unit, but the metrics aren't exactly in love with them. I mean, when you look at total yards allowed per game, I think the Cowboys are not even in the top five. I think the commanders are actually in front of them when it comes to yards allowed per game. If I had to pick a defense over the Dallas Cowboys, I would probably lean towards the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I think that they're a stat team, and I think that their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, is going to be a head coach next year. I think that that's a unit that's playing with some energy. You know, when it comes to this Cowboys defense, we've definitely seen some holes. You know, they've been inconsistent at times. I mean, just go back and look at the film against the Green Bay Packers and watch how those quarterbacks struggle to cover the rookie Christian Watson and, and Alan Lazard got loose a couple of times for some impactful plays down the stretch. I like this Cowboys unit, and I love the way they rush the passer. I think they – that they are one of the top three teams when it comes to pressure rate in the NFL. But in terms of consistency and, and being a full unit, I might lean towards the San Francisco 49ers on that. Is it crazy to think that San Francisco is, in fact, the best team in the NFC? Maybe not the best team, but the team that has the best chance to make it to the Super Bowl? I think it is a little crazy to say that. And I actually write a Super Bowl odds column for CBSSports.com that comes out every week just kind of examining and going through some of the movement for those Super Bowl odds over the past seven days. And I've been tracking the 49ers for a few weeks now. And obviously this is a team that has, has history when it comes to making a stretch run towards the second half of the regular season, just like they did last year. And now that they got Christian McCaffrey at the trade deadline, they're bringing back all these players who were on short-term IR. It just seems like the perfect storm for that 49ers team to be the best team in the NFC. I'm not sold just yet. Uh, they have a lot of weapons. They have a great coaching staff. And as I mentioned, one of the best defenses in the NFL. But I thought that this franchise wanted to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo for a reason. And I still think they feel that way. I think Jimmy G is a very effective game manager. But I think the way you defeat the 49ers is by punching them in the mouth first because then they have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo's arm. I think the 49ers are, have to be in that contender category objectively. But right now over at Caesar Sportsbook, they have the fourth shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. And in my opinion, I just seem that I just feel like that's incorrect. Jordan DeJani with me here on the Team 980 covers the NFL for CBS Sports at Jordan DeJani on uh, Twitter. All right, let's uh, let's get local here. I know I know you have some ties to to this area that you and I have talked about before. But what do you think of uh, of Taylor Heineke and the way that he is not just playing but seemingly captivating this entire market and really the NFL? Yeah, let's get local. The best record in the NFL since week six for the Washington Commanders. That was the win over the Bears. And a lot of people want to point to Taylor Heineke as the reason why. But I think we have to acknowledge that this Washington defense has stepped up, too. Uh, they're allowing just 15.8 points per game since week six after allowing 25.6 points per game through the first five weeks. Additionally, they have 12 takeaways over the past five games after recording just a single takeaway in the first five games of the, of the regular season. The Commanders, as I mentioned, also, they own the third highest pressure rate in the NFL, only behind the Cowboys, who we talked about, and the New England Patriots. Now, Taylor Heineke's obviously brought some juice to this offense. He's 10-2-1 against the spread in his past 13 starts. That's why I currently own a house, is because I'm making money off of Taylor Heineke. <laughs> But, you know, I like this team a lot, but I feel like a lot. it's going to be interesting to see what they're capable of down the stretch, and I think that this game against the Atlanta Falcons is very important because the Commanders are right in the thick of that playoff race, even though they reside in what is the toughest division in the NFC. 
So I'm interested to see what happens in, in terms of Chase Young coming back. But we, of course, we lost Cole Holcomb. Can Taylor Heineke con- continue to deliver in those pivotal moments down the stretch as he's become accustomed to doing? Um, I mean, I'm very interested in this commander's team, and I think a lot of people nationally are as well. So big opportunity against the Atlanta Falcons this week. What, what's your read on the Falcons? Are they in the same conversation maybe as the Giants where we, we've seen the best of them, or do you think that team does have a, a serious uh, claim to potentially getting into the postseason? I mean, I, haven't, I, don't, I don't know what their schedule is down the stretch, but I don't see them as a team with a legitimate claim to a playoff spot. Everything about the Falcons is weird to me. I mean, I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I covered Arthur Smith when he was an offensive coordinator here, and I think people forget that the reason he got promoted and is now a head coach is because the Titans decided to bench Marcus Mariota, and Ryan Tannehill came in, and Arthur Smith's life got better. So, Listen, it's weird watching this offense because it feels like they're not getting the most out of their weapons, like Drake London and, and formerly Kyle Pitts before he was injured. I just felt like if they if they inserted Desmond Ritter into the lineup, I thought the passing game would, would receive a little bit of juice, but the Falcons aren't doing that. Mariota's had some good games. He's had some very bad games as well. This defense has some work to do, so I'm not exactly a huge believer in the Atlanta Falcons. Jordan, I get you out of here with this. Do you think when all is said and done, does Washington move to 7-5 and five with a win over Atlanta on Sunday? In fact, I made them a best bet this week all over right. at CBS Sports. As I mentioned, man, I, the commanders have kind of been my cash cow. I made them a best bet to win straight up at plus money against the Packers, straight up plus money against the Indianapolis Colts. The Washington minus three line against the Houston Texans last week was laughable. <laughs> So I don't love laying four and a half points. It's a weird number. I get it. But, I mean, why would you continue? Why would you not go back to the well if you know there's going to be water? So I got the commanders as a best bet this week. Let's hope it comes through. Jordan, always appreciate the time. Any uh, any Black Friday shopping for you today? Did you go early? you going after uh, this afternoon? What's up? Yeah, it depends on if some of these dead kids, you know, in college basketball, college football, to see if I actually have any kind of money to spend in Black Friday. So I'll have to get back to you later this afternoon. I'll shoot you a text. All right, man. Looking forward to it, Jordan. Appreciate the conversation as always. Be good, my friend. Appreciate it, boss. Thank you. That is Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports. You can find him on Twitter, at Jordan DeJani. He does a great job covering the NFL, and he's making some money. He's do, he's using the commanders to make some money. I think that's always a good sign when you're using this team to make some money. We're going to dive a little deeper into that matchup coming up in our, our second hour. Bobby Carpenter, a former Ohio State linebacker, is going to join us in about 15 minutes to break down the game. It's going to be the best college football game Uh, at least on paper, of the weekend. Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan took it last year. Ohio State looking to take it back. Bobby Carpenter in about 15 minutes. But coming up next, there's something happening this weekend at FedEx Field that I am a tad uneasy about. I'll share that with you when we return. It's Denton Day on the Team Night. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. 
Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Eddie. It's the Team 980. I'm Denton Day at the Denton Day on Twitter. Bobby Carpenter going to be with us in about 12 minutes here to talk Ohio State and Michigan. But this weekend, the Commanders are unveiling the statue of Sean Taylor. Now, Sean Taylor was one of my favorite players uh, growing up. But I do have to admit, I I scratched my head a little bit when I first I first saw this news. I understand the thought process behind it. It's 15 years since he tragically left us. You want to honor him 15 years later. I get all of that. But man, doesn't it feel like the perfect way to honor him 15 years after his death would have been to retire his jersey? If only that was an option after the team panicked when they had some bad PR last year and then threw that together on like three days' notice and then took pictures in front of porta potties with his family. That's what should be happening this weekend. It should not be necessarily a statue. I think you got to hold off a little bit on the statue, and there are a couple of reasons why. And Adam hit me up on Twitter uh, asking the question because today is also the birthday of Joe Gibbs. And Joe Gibbs is a critically underrated uh, coach in the NFL from a national perspective, I feel. You know, everybody talks about the best coaches in NFL history. They talk Belichick. They talk Shula. Tom Landry is in there. Oh, uh, Bill Walsh is in there. And all those guys rightfully have earned a seat at that table. But uh, none of them have won a Super Bowl with three different quarterbacks the way that Joe Gibbs has. He is critically underrated in those conversations. It's his birthday today. So I got a tweet today that said, when is Joe Gibbs going to get his statue? And I'm asking that same question. Why is Joe Gibbs not the first one to get the statue here in Washington? I feel like that's the direction that should go. And I I understand the sentiment behind Sean Taylor. I just feel like there are better ways to honor him than getting a statue erected at FedEx Field, which also... That that last sentence right there, Mike, is the, the second problem I have with this. Uh, why are we putting a statue up at a field that we know is not going to be our home stadium in like three years? Whenever Dan sells the team, they're getting a new stadium. And hopefully, I, I mean, I hope that he sells the team in like the next three months, which some experts, very uh, heavy air quotes on the experts because they seem to get things wrong all the time, but Some of the national experts have said that Dan Snyder is looking to sell the team by March. When Dan sells the team, they are getting a new stadium. I'm sure uh, construction workers can can get uh, can hit us up and say, like, look, man, it's actually not that hard to pick up a statue and move it to a new stadium. But it doesn't doesn't it feel kind of weird and awkward that they're going to invest what I'm sure is not cheap to put up a statue of Sean Taylor to then just eventually have to move or dismantle that statue when they ditch FedEx Field and the absolute dump that it is. There are a lot of weird details about the Sean Taylor statue thing that, to me, don't make a lot of sense. Am I wrong on things? Am I missing things? Like I know you're a young guy like me, so I feel like our relationship with Sean Taylor uh, might be a tad bit different than some of the older guys that got to experience, well, the Joe Gibbs Super Bowls. 
Yeah, what you just said is like exactly what I thought of um, when I saw the news that they're making a statue for him is that, you know, we're getting a new stadium in three to four years. So, you know, like you said, are you going to have to move it? Are you going to build a new one? I think time will tell when we see on Sunday the size of the statue, if it's going to be like a giant one or like, you know, like kind of what the Eagles did with Nick Foles when they built that statue of you know, <laughs> oh, the, the Philly Philly. That. But that, that statue is gigantic, though. So I'm just saying, like, if the statue's huge, yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of confusing to me that, like, they're building a statue – uh, when they're only going to be at the stadium for like three more years. I think a Jersey retirement would have been more fitting. If only they didn't do that last year idiotically. Like they just they just panicked because that's what that's what the decision makers seem to do here. They, they panic and they throw things together in an effort to swing some positive PR. I mean, if anything, you could have just held this Sean Taylor statue thing until uh, you came across a crisis and you needed some positive PR. I mean, go back... To the, the, I guess you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, go back to that me- methodology here and then at least wait till there's a new stadium. Like, things are flowing right now. You don't need this upswing and this uptick uh, in the PR by getting a Sean Taylor statue there. Um, I forgot that Philly did the, uh, the Nick Foles statue. I totally forgot. And then they got rid of him like maybe a year after the like statue. Like a year was after. Built. But I, I guess you can justify that by saying he won them their first Super Bowl. Which unfortunately, you know, Sean Taylor did not do here. Now, would he have been one of the best safeties ever if he was not killed? Yes. Like, there's not a single doubt in my mind. Multi-time All-Pro guy, uh, Hall of Famer, without question. I think Sean Taylor for sure would have been one of the best safeties ever. I just I'm confused by the decision to do this and the decision to do this now. Now, a more positive thing that I would like to know as far as the statue goes, is what is the statue going to look like? Because for me as a fan, the most uh, memorable Sean Taylor play is the game in Philadelphia, the diving into the end zone, clinching the 10th win, getting the team to the postseason. That was one of my most, uh, not only just my most memorable moments of Sean Taylor, but one of my early memories of being a fan of this team. I was around 9, 10 years old when that happened, so that's when I can really remember you know, cheering and like really being invested into this organization. So what is the actual statue pose going to be? I would prefer that it be the dive. Is it just him standing there? Is it him making Terrell Owens cry when he knocks him out? Like what is the the actual pose of the statue uh, going to be? We'll take a little bit of your phone calls here. 301-230-0980. John from the Eastern Shore wants to weigh in on the Sean Taylor statue. John, what's going on, man? How are you? can't understand why you're getting all this out of a statue. I mean, I think it's a great honor, a statue. Yeah. Do you think that... Do you I mean, think but see, that, here's the bottom, the bottom line is it's because, you know, if it's good at all, you want to be dying in it so Dan Snyder won't get any credit. That's what this is all about. Nobody knows what the statue's like. You don't either. So what's wrong with the statue? I mean, to me, no matter what it is, if you're doing a statue, I think it's a great honor. But like I say, if this was Shad Khan doing it, we'd say it was a great, great humanitarian effort. But where Stan Snyder is probably going to be a failure. And you know that's the truth. Well, I, I, don't, I don't care what Shad Khan does. But do you think that Sean Taylor's the first guy that should have a statue? That's I don't mind a Sean Taylor statue. I would just prefer that somebody like Joe Gibbs gets one first. Do you disagree? He's gone. He Yeah, he hung up. He's like, you're mad at Dan Snyder. Click. I don't need this to be mad at Dan Snyder. Like, I don't I don't know if he doesn't understand. Uh, I can just be generally mad at Dan Snyder. He makes it very easy for us. I'm not upset about Dan Snyder giving him this. I mean, I guess he got twisted by the PR thing, which 
That's what last year was. It was twisted PR because they needed the PR because they were on the verge of this weird uh, collapse uh, because that's kind of what this team ends up doing here. But no, the, the issue with the Sean Taylor statue is not the fact that Sean Taylor is getting a statue. I believe that Sean Taylor is worthy of a statue. I just question the decision as to why now and why did somebody like Joe Gibbs not get one first? I mean, if we really want to immortalize the important figures of this organization, that's the one of the, if not the greatest football coach to ever live, that coach in our organization that won us championships, he should be the first guy to get a statue. That's all I'm saying. If you disagree, hit us up, 301-230-0980. You can also get at me on Twitter, at the Denton Day. But coming up, uh, just kick off hour number two, we have a huge College football game, Michigan, Ohio State, a guy that played in several of those matchups, Bobby Carpenter. He joins us next. You're listening to Denton Day on the Team 980. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 